Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. Mike Wallace doesn't have all that much driving experience. For the last three or four years, he's put in his views in this business. Mike Wallace comes down to the line. He'll pick up the win. It's Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. The battles for the lead. Mike Wallace gets by Jason Leffler. Mike Wallace comes off turn number four. A great move in that corner. He comes to the line and will win. From grassroots to the top of the racing world, hear the stories of NASCAR's biggest names and how they made it all the way. Who was Tony Stewart before he was Tony Stewart? I could barely make enough money to pay attention, let alone to try to survive. From the Speed Sport Podcast Studios, powered by My Race Pass, here are your hosts, Mike Wallace and Jeff Kent. Welcome to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace, part of the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass. My name is Jeff Kent. Strap yourselves in. Pull those belts tight. We'll take you on a journey from short tracks across America to super speedways and everything in between. We're brought to you today by Mark Ficken Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard. The team at Mark Ficken Ford Lincoln works hard every day to be a community partner in supporting their customers, local businesses, as well as being involved in local charities and programs. Visit FordLincolnCharlotte.com today for your next vehicle selection service appointment or collision need today's guest mike is a racer if it races he races it bottom line he's won championships and x game gold medals in several disciplines including supercross motocross freestyle motocross rally racing and offshore powerboat racing he's driven a nascar the truck series xfinity made his cup series debut in this year's daytona 500 driving the number 67 toyota camry for 2311 racing he finished 11th after leading a lap in this year's daytona 500 welcome travis pastrana travis say hi to mike wallace how are you guys doing man i'll, I'll take that that was a heck of an intro boys. <laughs> i get excited listening <laughs> to intros and uh travis i just gotta say man it's a it's a pleasure to have you you uh you know i had the pleasure to race against you some in the xfinity series and i i'll be honest with you i was always intimidated by you you were always so nice, <laughs> but you were Travis Pastrana. I mean, it's like this world iconic person. And uh, so congratulations on all your success. The cool thing we do on our show, because we have a huge listening audience. How many people, Jeff, listen? The whole world is listening, Mike. Travis, the whole world is listening. The entire world. Wow, this is, this is awesome. Yeah, so, so uh, you're world-renowned, so we just brought the world into this conversation. But... Uh, it's kind of like what our fans are telling us. They know who you are, but they don't know how you got here. 
And so we, we try to take the fans in depth with you and let you kind of help us tell the story. Where did Travis Pastrana come from? When did you even have interest in any form of, uh, I, I guess you would start with motorized events. I don't think you jumped out of an airplane when you were a little kid. So uh, <laughs> can, can you take us back in time and tell us when the, the, the motor sports or the extreme sports stuff started? You know, I, I'd say it's probably like almost anyone that ends up in um, in action sports or racing in general. I mean, I started racing from before I can remember. It was my first memories were riding with my mom, riding with my dad, motorcycles around uh, the backyard with my, my uncles. Uh, my dad and his uh, his five brothers had a, a construction company, real small family driveway, stone resurfacing, uh, you know, they, uh, concrete, stuff like that. And uh, we had what we call the shop around the back of my house which was next to my grandma's which was next to two of my uncles and uh we had bobcats and uh it started out as a dirt track dirt oval around the shop and you know as they're in uh concrete it slowly became more and more concrete so it got like half dirt half concrete eventually all concrete and then broken messed up concrete uh so <laughs> kind of i guess nascar was early in my uh it was motorcycles and go-karts from two years old you know man that's amazing so Early on, it just, it just the the fam did the family do any of that for uh, a profession, professional hobby, or did you just play in the backyard and that? Just no, heck no. I I had a family of weekend warriors. Uh, they were all sticking ball sports, and my uh, my uncle was quarterback for Denver Broncos uh, for uh, for two years, and uh, he got knocked out by the guy Hightower from Police Academy. If you if you go back that far in movies, <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. And, uh, <laughs> Now they got a rule in. Uh, sorry for the tangent already, but uh, there's a rule in NFL that it used to be the quarterback couldn't call timeout, or the quarterback was the only person on the team to be able to call timeout. And it was the first year they had the playoff system with the, um, you know, to, to go to the Super Bowl and the AFC and all that stuff. So um, they Broncos had a chance that year, and my uncle got knocked out, and his team he was unconscious, and he had 30 seconds to go, and they were on like the 10 yard line, and his team's trying to put his hands into the timeout. Uh, <laughs> so, so the Pastrana rule in the NFL is that the, the coach can now call timeout as well. Um, but uh, but anyway, he said uh, football was too dangerous. Pick a different hobby. So I got into go-karts and motorcycles. Man, the, the Pastrana rule. I like that. Yeah, yeah that's funny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so as you played in the backyard and you guys all did your stuff and had fun, when was the – what do you remember as – the first, I guess you call it what, Jeff, serious? The aha moment the, when you realize, hey, you know what? The amateur aha moment. I can do this for a living. Yeah. yeah. And maybe just not even for a living, but just like, hey, I really like this. This is something more than backyard fun. You know, it was pretty interesting because uh, my every kid, I think, you know, they think they're going to be you know, a firefighter, an astronaut, or orthopedic surgeon or whatever you want to do as, as a kid uh probably not many orthopedic surgeons as kids but uh, <laughs> i um i always want to race dirt bikes and you know we got eight 10 12 15 years old and most of my friends realities kind of set in and uh i'm 39 and my reality still hasn't set in i'm still doing exactly what i planned on doing when i was six years old i'm racing dirt bikes driving cars uh monster trucks offshore power boats got to sit in the top fuel dragster last year like it's uh I still just haven't grown up and, and luckily been just successful enough and surrounded myself with uh, with people just smart enough and and, uh, and the, the best of what they do to be able to, to keep riding the street. I guess I was going to ask you this later in the show, but it, it, uh, it made me think about it now. You just mentioned all those different disciplines that you, you, you get to have fun at. And number one, allow me to compliment you from a competitor standpoint. I love everything I ever see you in that you're smiling and happy. It's like I don't ever. I, I personally have never seen the. Oh, I'm pissed off, Travis Pastrana. It's like, oh yeah, I just busted my butt and crashed her, but man, it was fun. Right when <laughs> Travis qualified for the Daytona 500 this year, uh, he got a lot of TV time. Yeah, and yeah. it was fun to watch, man. You were having a good time, Travis. You know, I just want to be a part of it. It's the Great American Race, and uh, you know, every since. Heck, again, since before I can remember, uh, we'd all go to my buddy Dale Gertz's house or my dad's friend Dale's house, and uh, he had a little uh, circle track uh, right in his uh, backyard, really. And, uh, you know, there's probably 200 people that go over to, to Dale's house still to this day every single year and watch the Daytona 500. It didn't matter if you 
knew anything about racing or you only watched one race a year. And it was just something that's always been really special to me. And honestly got into NASCAR to, to really try to be a part of, of Daytona and got caught up uh, thinking that I could potentially do it as a, as a career. And, uh, you know, kind of got, got chewed up and spit out and needed to do, I'm just looking at the guys that I was battling at the time. And, you know, now the names sound great, but at the time they were, you know, 16, 17 year old kids um, with, with Chase Elliott, um, you know, and uh, Kyle Larson, those, those guys, uh, Bowman um, racing the KNN series. And I realized how much they were racing and I knew how much work it took to get to be the best in motorcycles and having a, a, my first kid on the way, um, just getting married. I thought, you know what, this is not, uh, I, I am not willing to put in what it's going to take to maybe have a chance to figure out how to drive or we'll drive a pavement. Well, you, you know, Jeff, that that's amazing to me because I, I competed against Travis right when he was driving for Roush, but I, I never knew what happened. <laughs> you know, the end result, I didn't. didn't I ran out of money. Well, <laughs> that happens. Yeah, well, that, that's that's very true. That that's the common answer anymore. You know, and why aren't you racing? I ain't got no money. <laughs> but uh, okay, no, cool. But it, all, all jokes aside, like everyone assumed I was getting paid. Like I took everything that I had from motocross and I went into rally, and I took everything that I had from from rally and and everything previous to that. I put it all into NASCAR, and after after two years, you know, I was paying for my ride. I had some some decent sponsors, but most of my sponsors weren't. Uh, you know, I was getting money here and there to to do some stuff, but it, it wasn't covering nearly what the budget was. And uh, you know, my goal was to to do well enough that that I could get some results and get that funding. But at the end of the day, I wasn't a good enough uh, NASCAR driver, circle track driver. Um, with the current skills that I had and it was either, okay, let's go back and try to figure out, you know, dirt track and, and everything. Let's do what Larson did and put in uh, five days a week, uh, racing different races and, and trying to be the best that I could be. Or it was go back to traveling the world with my best friends and my family and doing uh, circus tricks on, on dirt bikes and, and get, get paid really well. Uh, so at that point I said, I want to be back. I'm not done NASCAR, but let me figure out how to, not uh, lose the house in the process, and <laughs> I still want to race Daytona. <laughs> well, uh, number one, it's, I know it's uh, many months late, but congratulations on Daytona. That was, as Jeff mentioned, it was day. exciting watching you through the whole aspect. They did a really nice job, TV did, of kind of following your your week down there, and you, you just had so much enthusiasm. I, I was I, I enjoyed it. I was happy to watch it. That's what it amounted to. So. As, well, now let's back back up way back. Uh, that, that's kind of more recent. But what what was the first big time event that uh, Travis Pastrana competed in? That uh, you know, what, what, if you want to say, was the start of the the career of uh, extreme sports, action sports? How would it be? You know, I, I got into racing, or I got into motorcycles as a racer, um, and you know, the freestyle didn't really exist at the time. Um, so at the moment i was just you know we travel around and you know my parents when i started racing they had a the house was was paid for and my dad had a harley and a boat and by the time i was 13 we had two mortgages on the house and there was no boat <laughs> there was no harley <laughs> and my mom uh you know was working full-time my dad was working full-time and uh, you know i got my first car at, or truck i should say is a 1944 international uh i had just turned 14 and that was the only way to get uh, to the, the practice track that was on the power lines. That was completely illegal to be riding on probably. <laughs> but my dad was like, hey, you need a vehicle and uh, we're working to pay for it. So if you get caught, we're going to act mad as hell. <laughs> <laughs> um, but to, 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 sorry for the tangent. To go back on, on that, I was probably, I just turned, uh, or I was 13 or just turned 14 years old. And I was running motocross uh, at the same track that Team Suzuki was, was riding. And just on pure coincidence, this uh, video series for old DVD series called Krusty Demons of Dirt, which kind of actually put action sports and freestyle motocross on the map. Um, they were at the same track and they were trying to jump over this gator pond. And uh, like there was actually gators in it, but I mean, I guess in Florida, every pond has gators in it. So uh, <laughs> first guy, Anthony Pokoroba, tries to jump, lands short, goes to the hospital. 
Second guy, Seth Enslow, tries to jump, lands in the pond. Doesn't even come close because you had to kind of weave through the woods and over some some logs, like kind of the grandmother's house we go, if you will. And um, I asked my dad, I think I was almost 14 years old at the time, and I said, Dad, can I jump the jump? He said, I don't know, son, can you? <laughs> yeah. So I, I did the jump, did some heel clickers over it, did, uh, did took my hands off, and this whole film crew was down there filming with these these guys for trusting him as a dirt. And everyone's at the hospital. So they said, hey, kid, what are you doing this week? And uh, I got my own section in that movie and kind of kicked off the, the freestyle career, which was pretty cool because, you know, like I said, with uh, a couple mortgages on the house, um, all of a sudden we could get paid. Uh, as an amateur, you can't get paid. So my dad's like, yeah, hey, $5,000 for this uh, this freestyle competition? Let's go. <laughs> So, so the mortgage on the house. I am intrigued by these stories all the time. Uh, it sounded like you started with no mortgage on the house, and mom and dad mortgaged the house to help you get your race career started. Is that what you're meaning? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, sorry. Yeah, I mean, just at the end of the day, um, like I said, it was a small family construction company, and you know, basically, my uncles when it was time for Laura Lynn's Amateur Nationals, uh, which is our biggest motocross event, um, you know, they'd all take pay cuts to pay for gas and to. You know, Jeff Cernick at Cernick Suzuki, I, I still run Cernick's logos wherever I go. And uh didn't matter, uh, you know, if he had it or didn't have it, he'd find a way to get me a, a brand new bike uh, for the stock class, learn a lid, so I could put my best foot forward and uh, show the world, you know, that I, I could ride with, uh, you know, the, the best riders in the world as an amateur and was able to get my pro contract at, um, I actually signed my pro contract in a wheelchair. Uh, I could broken my back doing the freestyle shenanigans. Uh, and uh, it was funny because Suzuki and uh, listen Suzuki to him, he's laughing. I broke my back. <laughs> a funny story, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's how most of my stories go, but that was it was good though. So, ended up some people still believed in me, and it was it was cool and was able to go pro and had a hell of a first year. So, perfect, beautiful. Let's take a break and come Would right you back. Jump on over a gator pond, Mike. I, I, I'm impressed. <laughs> I, I, I told you, I was intimidated by Travis just because he's. Everything I've heard about him is just so he might famous and awesome, man. We're talking to Travis Pastrana. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by MyRace Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. Hi, it's Mike Wallace. You need to get behind the wheel of a vehicle that's built tough with Mark Ficken Ford Lincoln. Right now, you can get $500 off any new or used vehicle that we have in stock. That's right, $500 off any vehicle that's currently in stock. To take advantage of this deal, simply visit FordLincolnCharlotte.com slash Wallace. Don't miss out on this opportunity to save big on our entire inventory. Get $500 off of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs at Mark Ficken Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard now. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're brought to you today by Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard. The team at Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln works hard every day to be a community partner in supporting their customers, local businesses, as well as being involved in local charities and programs. Visit FordLincolnCharlotte.com today for your next vehicle selection, service appointment, or collision need. Travis Pastrana joins us on the line. Once again, here's Mike Wallace. Travis, as we went to break, we were talking about you being having a broken back, signing your contract. But if we can back up just a second, we were at the Speed Sports Studios in Mooresville, North Carolina, and uh, we were talking about the little Loretta Lynn. And it's like, I've heard of it, but it's a big deal the way you just said it, huh? No, it's the, the biggest deal in uh, amateur motocross. Uh, it, it's pretty amazing. They've set up uh, two Davy Coombs and the Coombs family, and 
the generosity of uh, you know Loretta Lynn and, and her family. They do a lot of off-road there. Uh, GNCC, the Grand National Cross Country Series for four-wheelers and motorcycles goes through there. Um, but it's always it's the hottest time of the summer. You know, it's actually going on going on right now. Um, and it's they are the best of the best kids. I mean, you got to do an area qualifier and a regional qualifier. If you can make it through your regional qualifier and get to Florida Lens, you've accomplished something. And um, to have a chance to go out there and, and it's the only amateur race that really is, is long enough to show who's uh, who's got the fitness, um, you know, who trains hard, who works hard. And it's the, the one race a year that the sponsors uh, really come out of the, the woodwork to, to see who's next. Oh, outstanding. So you were there having a great time. So tell me what happened on the broken back and how you got your ride or got a contract. Uh, well, I had <laughs> broken my back um, that uh, that off season, right when I was uh, on my 15th birthday, actually. So you turn pro at 16, and they generally sign you the year before. Um, and I came out and was able to just barely ease around the track enough to, to get through the area. Um, was a little bit stronger by the regional, made it to Loretta Lynn's, um, signed my pro contract before Loretta Lynn's, and went out and won everything in Loretta's. And um, it was it was really kind of that moment that said okay you know we can do this i'm not just uh, a, a show pony if you will <laughs> doing circus tricks on dirt bikes you know they got the speed to run with the best in the world and you know at that point it was really neat because i'd always run on you know subpar equipment or not subpar just stock whatever you know my dad always got mad because i get worse starts at the end of the year but his philosophy on tires was if, it, if it's not flat, don't fix it. So he didn't realize that the knobbies kind of <laughs> could use and, a little fresh rubber know, now and then, huh? <laughs> yeah, like uh, not as important as NASCAR is, but yeah, it definitely helps. Um, but even like handlebars, like my handlebars are always bent, broken levers, broken whatever, smash pipes. My dad's always like, I, I don't know, like, can you race with it? I'm like, yeah. So I turned pro at 16 and um, was able to win the Outdoor National Championship my rookie year. And, uh, everyone was like, wow, how'd you do that? So the bikes actually ran. This was this was phenomenal <laughs> on the factory Suzuki team. So that was cool. That's amazing how that, that it, it so much compares to NASCAR racing. Back in 2001, Jeff, I had an opportunity to uh, drive for Roger Penske in right. eight races. You know, I was just an average old race car driver. Nothing great. Won a few races. And when and, you hopped in that car, how'd it feel? I'm just comparing what, <laughs> what Travis just said. He was kind of doing his own deal and then got in a really good ride, and he was a superstar, you know? Yeah, I mean, right. so that, 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 isn't that amazing how much equipment, as much confidence as you have as an individual, that the team and the equipment and everything just makes it that much easier to be a superstar? No, without a doubt. It just, it just makes it more consistent. You crash last year, like the suspension. But the, the great part about motocross and why I still really appreciate that sport in so many ways is that you are um, – you, you're, you're the wedge. You're the camber. You're the – you are everything on that motorcycle. So you can make up um, for the, the – you know, as you said, you can carry a motorcycle. You can't carry a car. And it's nice to have great equipment. always helps. Um, you know, and motocross is definitely getting a lot closer, but if you want to make up two seconds in, in supercross, you shift the gear up, you close your eyes and you wheelie as far as you can of those whoops and hope you get out the other side. Um, that doesn't work in NASCAR. If, if you come in a little too fast, um, you, you're probably not going to crash, but you're not going to make time. Yeah. So, so, but that's the big difference uh, in motocross is the rider. I mean, the good equipment, let's say everybody's on good, equal equipment, but the, the rider himself just got major talent right yeah you'll you'll always be able to, to find your way to the top um in motocross uh with with cars you know it's definitely and i had great equipment when i was racing you shoot i had I, you know i had top five cars getting getting 10th to 15th so I, you know it's not all the equipment <laughs> <laughs> but, but it sure does help yeah so as your as your career progresses on you're you're a superstar in the motocross world where did the change and you made a little joke about the circus trick guy or whatever was that going on the whole time or did you kind of create that that uh desire for the extreme sports or action sports or where did that come from um i since the start when crusty the dirt uh kind of put me into that that video all of a sudden my whole persona shifted from i mean all i cared about was racing 
but everyone knew me from the, the freestyle stuff. So I really didn't put a lot of time into the freestyle to be perfectly honest. Um, but it was a good way to make some money, have some fun on my dirt bike. Um, you know, I love the video parts. I loved every second of yeah, innovating new lines or going out to the desert, just finding, you know, 200 foot jumps, 15 years old, finding it like a jumping a motorcycle, you know, 200, uh, 250 feet in the dunes. Oh, just flying felt like Superman. That was, <laughs> that was fun. So, um, you know, my dad always said, if, if, if you love what you do, man, ride that train till the wheels fall off. And I definitely could have done less and probably been more successful, but every second that I had, I was on my dirt bike. I was trying stuff. And, you know, even that first year that I had was a good year. I broke my thumb a week before the first race, cut my cast off three rounds in and one Daytona. Um, and then, uh, broke my wrist first round of the outdoor national championship cut my cast off won the southwick race and then broke my ankle trying to backflip because carrie hart had done a backflip at gravity games and x games came up and i had a weekend off so i did x games broke my ankle uh and finished the rest of the the season with it with a broken ankle and and was able to win the championship so uh <laughs> it was a a very very painful but very exciting year so how many broken bones have you had do you have a number Okay, so for instance, just filming Jim Connor this last year, um, I had multiple pelvic fractures, broken back, broken tailbone, um, I broken urethra, which doesn't even count, but that was probably the worst. But uh, well, what is multiple? Like if they say you had 40 fractures over seven bones uh, in your, your foot and ankle, which, which happened at X Games right when I was starting uh, with Waltrip, actually, uh, or was supposed to start with Waltrip. Um, and I couldn't even get out of bed for five months, so that that one sucked. But is that like one or seven or forty? Or did the doctor round up or down? Yeah, I mean, seven or two hundred and eighty. Multiple means you've broken a bone in several places, I guess. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, do they all count? I don't know. That was just kind of a goofy question. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. So, I'm I'm in awe. I'm trying to think of the exact question to ask, but so. As far as I remember, okay, well, I'm going to date back my, my limited memory. Like, you, in the extreme or the action sports business, motocross business, I remember. I thought you were a superstar there. How, how did the action sports thing get materialized? Because, I mean, your name, face, moves have been associated with that literally as long as I can remember, and I'm an old guy. <laughs> That's O L E, not O L D. He's a good old. He's a good old guy. I sent Travis a note and I says, "Hey, this is your old O L E racing buddy, Mike Wallace. Yeah. Not old." <laughs> but um, what was my question? I, I don't know, Mike. I don't know where you. You know what? You know what I'm intrigued by is offshore powerboat racing. Tell tell us a little bit about that. How do you how do you get hooked up in that deal? So one, one of my dad's uh, really good friends was multiple-time offshore powerboat world champion, Thraldeman of the year for quite a few years. And every time my dad had a story about this crazy son of a – it was always this guy, Art Lilly. So um, his son, Britt, was my good friend since we were, you know, pretty much since we were born. Um, and we hung out quite a bit, like on the boats and the skis and everything else, until I went pro – and he went to work for his dad at the shop. Well, now his son, Britt, races offshore powerboats and actually got my ride this year um, on the, the Husky Chocolate uh, team, which he was super pumped. So um, Britt builds his own boats and said, hey, you got to come down and, and try offshore. He goes, I guarantee you, you've never been more scared in anything in your life, which generally isn't like a good thing. You're like, oh, cool. I want to be more scared than I've ever <laughs> been in my entire life. But of course, for me, I was like, ah, I'll take you up on that. That sounds like it sounds interesting. And um, it, it was so weird uh, how boats, like in a car, if it starts to flip to the right or starts to roll to the right, you turn to the right. So, it, you know, you put the car back on the wheels. Well, a boat, if it starts to flip to the right, you turn to the left. So it levels it back out. Oh, man, we almost barrel rolled so many times. I thought I was going to die that whole race. Um, I was like, cool, one and done. And then later that year, COVID hits. And... I got a call out of the blue for the last round. And they said in the very, very top pinnacle of offshore power racing, um, 
guy, Miss Geico, this boat was like the, the baddest, best 160 mile an hour over, you know, 12 foot swells offshore, 50 foot catamaran with a dual 2200 horsepower uh, quad turbo freaking motors. This thing was, it's a beast. And they said, hey, our driver can't get a visa to come race the final round. Do you want to drive? <laughs> oh, <laughs> and, uh, and from there, my, uh, my offshore powerboat career took off. <laughs> how, how big is that boat? I, I'm sure there's a ton of power in the motors and whatnot, but how, how long is the boat to be able to handle swells like that offshore? Well, it's it's about 50 foot long. It's a cat, so it, it handles more like a car than a V-bottom, which is the boat that I, I jumped in first. Um, and it, it's really, really neat because, like, I jumped in with a very experienced throttleman, but that's also really scary because my only job is to keep the boat from flipping. And when he slows down enough to make the turn, try to make it as smooth as possible. Um, it was funny because uh, he actually got knighted by the by the queen, Sir Sir Steve, Sir Stephen Curtis uh, was Sir my gentleman, <laughs> like twelve time offshore, no serious, also offshore world world champion. And he's like, look, when I slow down, you start turning. You'd be nice and smooth with that wheel. He goes, imagine it's pavement. I said, Steve, have you ever seen me drive pavement? <laughs> because I think you picked the wrong wheelman. Um, but as it turns out, it's more like driving an off-road truck. And that thing just, it just moves all over. But I tell you what, my first race, we had waves, literally like 12-foot swells. And he's going into the face of everyone. And then we start doubling or over one and into the face. And then we triple one, at like, you know, 120 miles an hour. These are huge waves. And we land in the face. I'm like, I said some expletives. I was like, Sir Steve, Sir <laughs> why are we landing on the face of every single wave? You're going to break our backs and this boat now. Um, and he said, hey, as he's trying to get to his, his, you know, the wind being knocked out of him as we're trying to win this race. He said, um, have you ever seen a 50-foot boat? at 130 miles an hour downside, but it hit the back side of a wave. I said, no. He said, what do you think our boat would turn into? It's like, I, I don't know, a soft landing? He said, no, a submarine. <laughs> 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 that kind of makes sense. I mean, it just sounds awesome. That'd yeah. be a great thrill. What do you think, Mike? Uh, I, I'm in awe listening to it. I, Travis, how do you, how do you, do these opportunities that you've experienced over your career come to you or are you out there pursuing them or is somebody out there pursuing them for you? Um, I've had a very interesting career where we're, most people were hiring, you know, publicists and people to, to get more um, attention. I was doing the opposite. I was trying to turn down as much as I could because I loved riding my dirt bike. I love driving cars. I just want to be at the races. Like I enjoy I enjoy the fans. I'm still a fan of the sport. I still look up to so many of the drivers and so many of the you know younger or older, uh, so many of the riders, and, and have a respect for the, for the general sports uh, that I'm in. And I'm I'm very fortunate to be able to continue doing what I love for a living. Um, and the interesting part is, if you do one thing all the time, like I was burnt out and I was broken, you know, 16, 17 years old. Um, but if you do what you love for a living, you generally by the time you're good enough to do it you no longer love what you do and for me i was able to find through the video stuff like i said on that that kind of dumb luck where they happen to be filming the same spot where i can now go and, and find jumps and do this freestyle stuff and then i always loved monster jam and all of a sudden um, i had an opportunity to go down to the digger dungeon and uh dennis anderson was like hey get in it was old grave digger too i think it was a it was horrible um, no suspension at all. He's like, hit that vertical wall I built over there wide open from here. Just don't lift. And I hit it. I had whiplash like you wouldn't believe. And he goes, he looked over at, uh, at Charlie Mancuso who ran, uh, this is loud nation, I guess at the time or Felder, um, or I guess uh, she was clear channel back then. And, um, he goes, yep, you should, you should put him in a truck. He's going to do just fine. <laughs> and sure enough, they gave him a monster truck. It was great. Crazy enough to drive one of these things. We're talking to Travis Pastrana. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media. 
Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace is teaming up with Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard to save you money on your vehicle purchase. Right now, you can get $500 off any new or used vehicle in stock. Hey, Mike, there's a landing page online with all the info you need to take advantage of this offer. FordLincolnCharlotte.com slash Wallace. You can view inventory and more. You can even listen to any of the 80-plus episodes of Fast Car to NASCAR while there. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're brought to you today by Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard. The team at Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln works hard every day to be a community partner in supporting their customers, local businesses, as well as being involved in local charities and programs. Visit FordLincolnCharlotte.com today for your next vehicle selection, service appointments, or collision need. We're talking to Travis Pastrana. This is fun. Once again, here's Mike Wallace. So, Travis, you, you, you did what, exactly what Anderson told you to do. You run wide open into that jump, <laughs> whiplash yourself, but they thought you were really good at that point, right? No, they didn't think I was really good. They just thought, man, Monster Jam's a show, and he's going to add to it. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I ended up, uh, I got fifth, in my, so I went straight to World Finals, which I got a kind of a, a gift. Or, or a curse of just jumping into the deep end and seeing what happens. Um, you know, every now and then it, it doesn't work like like NASCAR, but uh, usually like Monster Jam, I uh, ended up fifth. I did flip the vehicle about three quarters of the way through my run, so I think we could have done better, uh, but got a little too excited there. Um, at the end of the day, though, I am always looking for opportunities to have fun. And, you know, even just this last year, I was like literally flying back from uh, the offshore powerboat race and um, had an opportunity with Alex uh, Laughlin to, to drive a top fuel car. And Tony Stewart had, had found out through Leah Pruitt that I was going to be there. And I get a call from Tony. Uh, Tony's an awesome guy. He actually, I got to start um, through one of one of his French Irish Saunders um, racing a Silver Crown car uh, before I knew anything about NASCAR way, way back before I should have ever been driving a, a Silver Crown car, any car with that much power. Um, but Tony's kind of always looked after me a little bit and just – kind of kept up with, uh, you know, just shenanigans going on in general. And uh, he gave me a call and he's like, Hey, when are you going to get here? I was like, Oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm at the award ceremony now. Like I'll be there tomorrow morning. He said, no, you're going to find a flight tonight and I'll meet you at the airport. I was like, Tony, I can't get in before 1am. He goes, I'll meet you at the airport. And he, <laughs> he, picked me up, he brought me down to the four wide drag strips and he went through until probably two thirty, three o'clock in the morning, explaining to me, all the the process of a top fuel car because i'd never even seen a top fuel car start up and i was going to do a run the next day and he's like look i do as much as i love you i'm, I'm here to make sure you don't kill yourself that looked real bad for our sport <laughs> and uh him and leah and alex uh, just awesome experience that's that's incredible and you talk about tony 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 is such a nice guy you know he uh he actually helped my daughter Chrissy when Chrissy raced early in her career. He yeah. used to he put his name on the car and spent a lot of time with her, spotted for her in Martinsville, helped her all through practice. So what a cool guy. And uh glad he so tell us about that uh that top fuel run. What'd you think about it? Well, so you gotta spend about six runs to get to the the end. And um yeah, I, I tell you, uh, Scott Palmer was was awesome. He's like, Look, we're gonna push this as far as we can. Um, he goes, just, if you ever get off the gas, you can't get back on the gas. And I had a wheelie coming out of there on my second. So the first pass, 
man, it felt like warp speed. I hit the gas and Tony told me that. And I, I believed him because, you know, it's Tony Stewart and he's driven everything at Indianapolis, you know, 240 miles an hour. He's like, there's nothing like the acceleration of a top fuel dragster. He goes, it's not hard to control. He goes, but your mind will be behind where you're, where you are on the track. And it felt like, you know, when you see those cartoons or like, uh, like Star Trek or whatever, where the, the spaceship like takes off and goes into warp mode. Right. That's what it felt like when I took off. I like, I was able to control it, but I, I wasn't controlling where I was. I was controlling a step behind where I was. Gotcha. Um, so that was cool. They, they did one pass, um, rebuilt the parts they had to rebuild. And they're like, all right, if you do this pass good at, at, you know, 180 or for like, you're at 180 miles an hour and like 10 feet. I, I don't know what it is, but it's, it's, you know, basically by the time your back tire hits the front tire, you're doing a hundred. So, um, at the end of the day, I was like, all right. And I took off and because I didn't have the clutch in or it took me too long to find reverse. Um, it's like an automatic and it, it went perfectly, but I had a wheelie going and I was afraid that the wheelie was taking me offline and I wasn't going to be able to correct it. So I lifted like a quarter of the way out of the throttle just for a millisecond. I got back on it. The engine blew up. Mm. So, um, yeah, exactly what Tony had uh, tried to warn me about. So unfortunately I never got to make a full pull down there. I got you. Where'd you do that at? What racetrack? Uh, Charlotte. Oh, okay. Charlotte. Okay. Yeah. Right next door here. Okay. And was that just for a fun deal? Just something to do just to get that experience? Promo shoot, video shoot. What was it? Or all the above? It was just one of the, one of those things where, um, one of the guys that, uh, always films for nitro circus was filmed with Alex and Alex was like, Oh, we need to get, you know, he's like, you need to get uh, me out there and, and drive one of the top fuel cars as a joke. And my friend told me, so I called Alex. I was like, hey, how do we make this happen? I'm into jokes. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I like jokes. Let's go. So are you saying that drag racing is not in your future then? No. Even when I went down with uh, Cletus McFarlane, um, uh, you know, down at the Freedom Factory, um, his uh, one of his cars is, uh, they call it a, a Ruby. It's a you know, seven-second car, I guess. Shoot. I'm lucky no one was in the lane beside me. I didn't understand. Like, I can't, like, maybe I just can't keep a vehicle straight. And that's why rally works well and monster tram. Because dirt bikes, you can be all over the track. And everyone just assumes that might be where you meant to go. Like, walking. I trip and fall, like, all the time. It's not just that I'm doing something stupid. It's just that I, I just, something just doesn't click in, until it's, like, uh, you know, sideways, really. So talking about something that doesn't click, I got to tell you what I did, and I got to ask what the hell you were doing. So I, uh, about a month ago, I had the opportunity to go skydiving with the Golden Knights. And, oh, awesome. You know, so I'm getting on this plane, and I'm feeling pretty cocky, and I'm, but I'm going to, you know, tandem jump because I've never jumped out of an airplane before. And, and I literally, we get about halfway up, and, you know, we're getting hooked together and pulled together. And a vision came across me. This is God's honest truth of Travis Pastrana, the video I see him jumping out of an airplane with what appears to be not a damn parachute one on. Yikes. How, tell me how that came about. Because that, I mean, how, how do you, how do you, like, you jumped out of an airplane, right, without a parachute? Yeah, that, that's accurate. I actually, have you ever seen the movie Point Break? I have not. No? All right. Well, I mean, if Johnny Utah, Keanu Reeves could do it, you know, I, I couldn't be that hard. I, I do think that that stuntman <laughs> probably had a parachute under his shirt. Um, but no, it gave me the idea, and I thought, wow, that would be cool. And then I started, um, you know, doing more skydiving, and I found out that there's some really great um, skydivers out there. Not me. I'm mediocre at best, but you could drop an anvil out of a plane, wait 10 seconds, and there's guys that go down and, and and grab it and put a shoot on it. Um, so I, I got together with, uh, I tried to go with Red Bull because they had the, the Red Bull uh, Air Force and, and probably the, a lot of the best uh, um, skydivers and wingsuiters and, and, you know, that, that Air Force pretty much in the world. And uh, Red Bull decided that it was too dangerous. Um, so I went <laughs> to the military. Although it's funny that you say Golden Knights. And I got a JTAC um, who was, you know, special operations. He's like, I'll catch you. I don't care if I lose my license. I don't need a license to jump anywhere I jump. And then um, we found a, a tunnel rat. So a guy with only like 10 jumps, his name was Timmy. 
young kid, uh, one of the best uh, tunnel uh, flyers in the world. He's unbelievable. Hadn't had a lot of real life experience. Um, and then we found a pilot that didn't have his pilot's license, and uh, <laughs> we uh, went down to Puerto Rico and made it happen. <laughs> so that. <laughs> You know what? I'm gonna tell you what. That's man. a movie. That's I mean, funny. That, that, that's, <laughs> that's absolutely a movie. Yeah. So, so I, I'm assuming that because I, I've I've seen the video of it, but that was a a once and done. You didn't try that twice or anything, did you? No, no. That was that was a pass or fail kind of kind of test, and no, it worked out great. But it was just there was a lot of hoops that you're supposed to go through to like be able to be in an airplane with. If the doors open in an airplane, it's uh, it's it's against the pilot. It's against uh, so we just had to find a bunch of people that didn't need any licensing. And uh, I got my license taken away for a couple of years, and uh, USPA was great. They're like, hey, look, idiot, um, there's been people that have done this before. We, we realize it's not that difficult if you get the right people in place, but no one's been stupid enough to post it to YouTube. <laughs> like, we got to do something. I got some fines, and uh, it was interesting. Uh, so, so, I wouldn't recommend it. Yeah, no, I. but they, it's <laughs> – we talked early in the show, and it's, you're happy, you're funny, you're laughing, you're thinking it's cool, you know? And it's like, how the hell? I, I, years ago, I, I, when I was growing up racing, I, uh, Mario Andretti put this quote out and said, I only fear people with no fear. Yeah. So does Travis Pastrana have fear at any time? Oh, uh, you have to. Fear is what keeps you sane. I think anyone without fear, um, especially in action sports, never gets su- or good enough to be successful. Okay. Um, you know, if you look at, I'm 39 years old, and every day someone asks me if I have a death wish. I thought, man, if I'm trying to kill myself, I'm doing really bad. <laughs> <laughs> you know how to break yourself, just can't kill yourself. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> so, so let's jump around. I don't know that I have any of this in order, but rally racing. Uh, how did rally racing come about? Because you're really good at that. You're really good at everything you do. So that that that's what's really impressive. Is a is there Let's just go there. How, how did rally racing well, come r- about? The rally came the, the most natural. And with all-wheel drive, it related a lot to motocross. When in doubt, power out. Um, if you were more aggressive, you were going to figure out a way to make up time. And you could get yourself – you could be completely backwards coming into a corner. And as long as you're on the throttle and pointing that car where you want to go, it's, it's kind of going to get there. So um, rally was interesting because Alpine Stars – was my boot company and the the owner of alpine stars gabrielle was trying to sign me when i was 16 and having a really good year and uh i I didn't really i mean i was 16 i didn't really care about the money or anything i was just loving riding a motorcycle he said what can we do for you i said well i would love to drive a wrc car because you guys sponsor the subaru world rally team he goes okay i'll make you a deal if you win the championship i'll take you over and get you a drive in a $750,000 WRC car. And after I, I talked with Gabrielle at Alpine Stars, that race, that was in Wachula. I didn't lose one single moto from that point for the rest of the season. And he sure enough came through with his uh, his deal, and he took me over to, uh, to Rally GB. And I got to sit there and watch uh, uh, Richard Burns for Subaru win his uh, first ever World Rally Championship was there for the final round and got to sit in uh, his car and um, actually go and drive at a place called Sweetland, which is uh, basically be like, you know, driving Talladega um, in your first day in a car in, you know, uh, F- famous uh, place, really historical, got a lot yeah, of cool it, stuff. It, to it. Car. Yeah, it was just, it was so such an amazing experience. And I got to meet, so I didn't even really know that they did rally in the U S and they brought the U.S. Rally Champion, who was also Subaru, Mark Lovell, over to coach me. That poor guy had to sit with a, a 16-year-old <laughs> all day in a $750,000 car, just backing into every corner with no idea how, I, how, how to drive. Just a, a redneck kid thinking I was the greatest of all time. Ah, poor guy. But um, So you, just, you were in it, rally cars when you were 16. Is that what you're saying? Well, so or I got the opportunity point, to, to sit in one yep. at that time? Okay. Yep. So at that point, I got to I got to meet all the guys at Subaru, all the guys at Vermont Sports Car, um, and was able to keep those connections. And every time I had an off week, I'd go, you know, watch a rally or you know, call the guys and and see what I could get into. And 
I ended up buying a car. I was at 17. I was like, all right, like got a little bit of money. So I bought a car for $80,000. Um, and I practiced it for one week, rolled it twice and sold it for six and thought, <laughs> I am not on this budget. Practicing and rolling do not go together. <laughs> um, but yeah, from that point, I just, uh, it was just a slow process of getting in the car whenever I could, uh, using most of what I made in, in motocross and supercross to, to put into my car racing. Um, and then I met Ken Block in, uh, in 2003. He had just sold uh, DC Shoes, and he said, look, I'll sponsor you, but you have to introduce me to Vermont Sports Car, and I want to drive Subarus with you. And um, everyone thought, oh, it's just a rich guy getting into the sport, and he changed the landscape of motorsport forever. He, he did change it. I've never met the man, but uh, very awed by the things he did uh, while he was here. So uh, congratulations to you on that. So what uh, what what do you think, Jeff? I was going to say what. Your Take point- a time out. We'll come back and wrap it up with Travis Pastrana. What do you think? You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the SpeedSport Podcast Network, powered by MyRacePass and NASCAR Digital Media. Hi, it's Jeff Kent. You need to get behind the wheel of a vehicle that's built tough with Mark Ficken Ford Lincoln. Right now, you can get $500 off any new or used vehicle that we have in stock. That's right, $500 off any vehicle currently in stock. To take advantage of this deal, simply visit FordLincolnCharlotte.com slash Wallace. Don't miss out on this opportunity to save big on our entire inventory. Get $500 off new or used cars, trucks, and SUVs at Mark Ficken Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard now. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back to the Speed Sport Podcast Studios. You're listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace. My name is Jeff Kent. We're brought to you today by Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln on South Boulevard. The team at Mark Fick and Ford Lincoln works hard every day to be a community partner in supporting their customers, local businesses, as well as being involved in local charities and programs. Visit FordLincolnCharlotte.com today for your next vehicle selection, service appointments, or collision need. A few more minutes with Travis Pastrana. Once again, here's Mike Wallace. Travis, I realize there's no way we're going to go through everything I thought we'd go through in, in the short time we got, so maybe sometime we can get you to come back and hang out with us. But I, I, what I would like to know, through all the cool stuff you did as the, the rider, the driver, all that, you, you've had to have what I call a lot of entrepreneurial success. And I, I hear a lot about Nitro Circus. T- tell us, I mean, if you don't mind me asking the question, what, what do you? What other business ventures do you have? Not what you ride or have fun in, but the the Nitro Circus thing, and is there other things that you've uh, that the doors have been open for you on? You know, it's um, it's been a good ride. I've had uh, luckily my, my parents were always uh, supportive um, in trying to get me to surround myself with with people. Uh, that would help me to, to, to go forward in a really positive uh, direction. So, um, you know, I met up with a film producer when I was uh, 17 years old and his name was Greg Godfrey and he, uh, he could make great films, but he couldn't get the riders. So we teamed up and I brought the riders out and uh, he brought the, the cameras and uh, gave us a way to fund traveling around the world and doing what we love to do. Um, and that was, is awesome. And, and built a, I mean, kind of a, a global empire right now it's it's you know pretty wild how many uh you know we'll do 80 different live shows a year on just about every continent um and but i'm not much behind the business side of anything that i've ever done um at the end of the day if there's something i really want to do i find the people that are much smarter than me and uh convince them that it's going to work and uh i figured out with if you're passionate enough about stuff um even a really bad idea can can work out at least at some level. Um, and it's been, it's been an amazingly fun ride. My dad, he sat down one time and he goes, you are the dumbest person at this table, but it's your table. He said, you've done well. 
it's funny how dad tells you things, and then he says, it's your table. Dad's got away with words. <laughs> and you're picking up the check, you know. So, so I guess I'm going to ask personal questions, and if you don't want to answer them, tell me. But there's a buddy of mine who lives out in Norman, Oklahoma, and I'm not sure where Norman, Oklahoma is, but he uh, – I was telling him you were coming on the show. I was really excited. I've told everybody that would listen to me for a week that you were coming on. And he says, man, ask him about Mid-America Outdoors. He says that there's this big place being built, and he, he he's supporting it, talking about it. But he was trying to explain it's this really cool outdoor adventure area. Well, what is that? Or it, can you talk about that? Yeah, there's a guy named Jason Robinette um, and his wife, Kayla. And... They love motorsport. They love business. They're trying to kind of take off-road and make it into a mecca. And, and Jason went, uh, he's got a, a lot of land. And it's just this amazing facility. And the infrastructure that this man put in, I mean, people like, like him don't come around very often. He's not looking for anything in return. Um, he just wants a safe, fun place for his community. Uh, he's trying to provide jobs for the people in the community and, uh, and to really build off-road to the to the next level everything from from ultra four to pro two pro four pro Snack. like my both of my kids who didn't have a lot of interest in racing went there to watch the nitro cross that kicked off our championship this year and they both ended up jumping in um jumping in a, a, a buggy and they both ended up racing and this place i mean he's got cabins like thousands of, of, of cabins he's got a video arcade that's free to, to anybody you don't have to pay for anything to get there they've got um they've got a pool with a lazy river and a kids park that overlooks the entire track um and gave me carte blanche to build whatever i wanted and this is so he calls up and says hey i uh i want you to come check this track out i'm like i jason I'm, I'm busy i got you know i've got more projects than i know what to do with and he goes look i'm sending a private jet he goes, I'm going to pick up Bond Gooden, who's in your neck of the woods, and I'm going to pick up Dennis Anderson, and I want Bond to design the coolest drift track. I want Dennis to design whatever the craziest redneck uh, masterpiece that he can, and I want you to bring in Nitro Circus to design the craziest next-level things that we can go from uh, from you know four-year-old kids that are just learning how to ride bicycles and pump tracks all the way up through it. He goes, I I'm I'll give you a place, like a house on property. Uh, you know, you can stay with uh, your good buddy, Terry Madden, who's working on the Ultra 4 stuff. Um, just just give it a shot. And I came out, and he has been a man of his word all the way through. It's been a, just an amazing run, and I cannot wait to see what this place is going to be in the future. It's like a Hot Wheels track that we're building out there. It's going to be awesome. Sounds really? amazing, right? Yeah. Well, what the guy told is where's that located? I, and I never heard of it. Jay, Oklahoma? Is that – sorry, where's Jay, Oklahoma at? <laughs> Yep, I mean, if you go to the Chili Bowl and then go uh, go east about an hour and a half. Oh, okay. I went to the Chili Bowl last year, first there, time see, ever. We're only an hour and a half away from this destination. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> That's really cool. So any great things, because we're going to run out of time, I don't want to make you late. Any cool things happening on your schedule that uh, that you can break to the world? Remember, the world's listening. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, I, I have to say it's just been been awesome working to, to get Nitro Cross off the ground. Uh, basically, we had to take the word rally out because, like, the, the FIN was like, well, you, you can't do that. It's not in the rally rule books. You can't do that. You can't you can't have a big gap jump that's 150 foot long. You can't do this. I said, well, you know what? It's not rally. It's motocross with a roll cage. This is Nitro Cross. So um, it's been super fun, you know, just making things as safe and as fun as we can, working with places like Jay Oklahoma. Um, and, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, it's been great. Kyle Busch, his first race in to Nitro Cross, he ends up fourth. Um, you know, it, it's been uh, with Chase Elliott has jumped in. Austin Sindrick has jumped in. Um, we're trying to get, uh, I think, Noah, Noah Gregson um, after the championship. Uh, hopefully we get him out there as well. So, How does, uh, uh, yeah, a guy, how does an old guy like Mike Wallace get involved yeah. in that? careful what you ask for <laughs> i want to do it okay i want to do it so i want to i want to come out hanging travis's world for a little while i was talking to a buddy of ours that builds these longhorn chassis you know these dirt lake models right here in the area steve arpin and uh yeah, arpin was part of it dude i was just i just did a, um, a circle track with him last weekend oh really okay so we got to talking and he was uh Tell me you drove his modified. I had read earlier this year that you you won down at Volusia. Like, you hopped in a dirt modified and won. That's really cool. 
Yeah, I mean, it was, it was they, they did a reverse order one night. Matt Crafton still, he's, he's like, dude, how did you win? Um, <laughs> how did you win a Gator? He was so pissed. Just tell him you're really damn it. talented. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we, there's nothing more backwards for me to drive than, than a modified. I, when, when I got out by myself, I was okay. But as soon as I get in traffic, oh, God, I'm a wrecking ball. I, it's, it's horrible. <laughs> that that goes into that directional thing again, Travis. Yeah, you said right. you don't like to do. You had to kind of keep a line. But, hey, buddy, I don't want to keep you. I know you got plenty of business things going on. But we would like to thank you from the show for taking your time and uh, spending it with us. Tell us a little bit about it. May, maybe sometime in the future you'll you come back and join us and uh, – Keep me in mind for that ride on one of them. Because Mike needs a broken back. Yeah, no, I got roll cages. I'm, I'm into that. So, all right. We appreciate it, pal. Well, if you like flying cars, you're gonna have fun, Mike. That's that's gonna be good. But hey, thank you so much for your all's time. I appreciate you uh, fitting it, uh, fitting, my, fitting it into your schedule. So it's awesome. A lot of fun. There goes Travis Pastrana. You've been listening to Fast Car to NASCAR with Mike Wallace on the Speed Sport Podcast Network, powered by My Race Pass and NASCAR Digital Media.